drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of two. I would love to devote more time to creative writing, journaling, and blogging. And I'm Abigail Creeves, a writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom who is just beginning to learn the ropes of balancing a baby and everything else. And you are listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, we want to send a huge thank you to everyone who has supported the show. Having support from our listeners really means a lot to us. If you are interested in supporting the show in any way other than just sharing or leaving a review, you can always become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. All of our patrons get a handwritten thank you note from us, plus some patron-only content we'll be creating in the future. If you haven't become a patron yet, but you're interested, you can check out our page at patreon.com slash chasing creative. And if you're not able to support us financially, the second best way you can show your love for chasing creative is to leave a review on iTunes. We know everyone is asking for a review these days, but that's because they really do matter. We appreciate all of our listener support, even if it's something as simple as sending us an email to say hi or telling us a friend about the podcast. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for you. Yeah. So today we're talking about a big topic in the creative world, sharing your work. It's an issue that creatives of all ages throughout history have really struggled with. Um, It's scary to put your work out there and hopefully this conversation will help you feel a little more comfortable sharing your creative self with the world. So Ashley, does sharing your creative work freak you out? Um, a little bit in kind of weird ways, like (laughs) thinking about sharing my creativity with strangers on the internet. I'm like, whatever, no big deal because I don't know those people. And I have like, I don't really care what they think about me. But when I think about sharing what I've written or usually just what I've written, that's the most personal work to me. Like, I don't care if people see my knitting or something like that, but (laughs) sharing my writing is really hard for me with people that are close friends and family, because I am afraid that that will affect like what they think of me, if that makes sense. (laughs) It makes perfect sense because I feel the exact same way. It's so easy to tweet like a link to an article that I wrote or something that I've written on my personal blog and have like random people, like you said, strangers on the internet, read it and comment. And, you know, I love hearing their reactions and their support and that kind of thing. But to just like share it with close friends and family is super awkward. And because you're wondering like, what are they going to think of me? Like, did I interpret this the way that they interpreted it? Or are they going to judge me for how I feel about this thing? So like you said, it's, it's a weird dichotomy between sharing things with people we don't know versus the people who we know the best. Yeah. And I think there's a point where strangers on the internet can also kind of be our kindred spirits. Like 
you know how there are not very many going back to Myers-Briggs, which I think we talk about almost every episode (laughs) accidentally, but there are not very many INFJs. That's the rarest type. And I see INFJs all over the place connecting online because it's just kind of easy to find your people, like your tribe Mm -hmm. that sees the world the same way you do online. Whereas in real life, your friends and family might not share your same worldview or your same personality type. So a lot of times the people that you want to share your work with, those who are close to you might not even understand why it's important to you or why creativity is something that's worth spending your time on. Yes. And that is another thing that I have struggled with in the past. If, you know, people see that I'm blogging and spending all this time doing this thing online, are they going to judge me for even how I'm spending my time and not necessarily like the art itself, but the time that I'm spending to make that art? Yes. And I think that comes back to our cultural values too, where our culture doesn't typically value art or creative pursuits unless they earn money. And if you're a best-selling author, all of a sudden that's really cool. But if you're an indie author who just self-published a book because it was important to you, you're kind of a loser, right? <laughs> like that's just how the culture sees things because they think we should be spending our time on worthwhile things, which typically means making money. And that's just kind of a lie, I think, that we need to remember like that's not true and we just need to not believe it and not buy into it Mm -hmm. and it's so hard to remember that before you push publish and kind of put yourself out there Um, so we're hoping this episode kind of lets everyone know that we're all in the same boat together yeah so we can acknowledge that sharing our creativity is really really hard for most of us but we also think that it's very important and i love your thoughts on this abby Yeah. So sharing creativity when it's hard is hard. We'll just say that again. Um, I don't think anyone is ever like, oh, yay, I get to publish this thing and see what people's reaction is. That's never my response anyway. Um, But I do think if we care enough to create something, we should care enough to share it. And this is something that I'm working on in my own life. Um, But I think if we don't share what we're creating, we kind of end up leading double lives. Um, so that kind of the one life where you create things and you share things on the internet with people that you don't actually know, but then the other life where people don't even know that you like to write. And that can be, that can be really kind of hard to pull those two together if you've not been kind of sharing in both of those, um, arenas, I guess the same information. I mean, it's not on the level of being like a double agent or a spy, but it's not too far off if you really think about it. Yeah, I love that so much because not only can it sort of devalue your work for yourself where you're like, oh, if I have to hide this, it must not be that good. But also I think it can impact your real life relationships with people if they don't know that there's this thing that's really important to you. Like they have no Mm -hmm. idea about this entire facet of who you are. That's really going to impact like your level of connection and trust with that person. Yeah. And even from a very, very practical standpoint, we've talked about on the podcast before that if you want to do something, if you have a creative goal, you need to share with the people closest to you so they can help you make time for that goal, whether it's your spouse or your best friend. And I think if you tell, if you don't tell people that you even do creative work, then it's really hard sometimes to say like, oh, you know, my Saturday mornings are for me and my projects when they're like, oh, well, what projects? And you're not willing to kind of come clean about that. 
um, it can be kind of maybe off-putting to people too as to why you don't want to spend time with them at certain moments when really you're just trying to find time to make your art. Yeah, there's no way for them to support you if they don't know that you're working on something. So very practical. It's also important to share your creativity because you never know how your work could be impacting somebody else, even if you never find out about it. So that's kind of the thing with sharing with strangers on the internet again. Like some people take the time to comment and some people don't. And you don't know how many of those people who you might never hear from could be really changed and impacted in a positive way by something that you have created. So that's like as a side note, that's why it's really important to support the creatives whose work you appreciate in your own life, because leaving a comment on social media or sending them a really quick email can make a big difference for that creative who's putting themselves out there and might be feeling discouraged about it. But um, I think there's a little bit of that anonymity online where you just don't know who all is reading and who all is like what they think about your work. You just don't know the impact it might be having. So it's worth it to put it out there, even though it might seem like nobody cares. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever, ever, maybe ever in my life had anyone react like truly negatively to a creative project that I have shared. Have you? You know, I don't think I have. I thought about this a long time when we were brainstorming this outline because I was like, I have to be forgetting about some time that somebody has said something negative. But, um, you know, I was in creative writing classes in college, which is very heavily based on critiques and feedback, but those are all framed in a positive way to make your writing stronger. It was never Mm -hmm. just mean spirited or like not like the comments you would find from the trolls on the Internet, you know the kinds of things that we're possibly exposing ourselves now to now, but I don't honestly think I'm a big enough name online to really attract (laughs) much criticism. (laughs) Yes. Maybe a few spam comments every now and again, but nothing like intentionally cruel. Uh, And whenever I I really stop and think about that, like the fact that anytime I have shared a personal essay from my blog onto my personal Facebook page, which has not been that often in the, I don't know, four or five years that I've been blogging, I've gotten nothing but great responses, nothing but like the people in my circle saying, you know, me too, I'm sorry that happened to you or, or those kinds of things. And so I wonder sometimes if sharing our creativity isn't maybe as scary as we make it out to be. And maybe that's just the overthinkers in all of us. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that there's a point where you just need to start taking those small steps to put yourself out there because it's truly a practice that gets easier the more often you do it. Like even with blogging, if you think about it, the first time you hit publish on your very first blog post, it was like a big deal. And you probably freaked out even though literally nobody knew your blog existed. (laughs) And now most people who have been blogging for a while, even a couple of months, it gets easier every single time and you don't worry about it so much anymore. So, um, we had talked just a little bit about some baby steps that we could use to put ourselves out there more often. And the thing that comes to mind for me is finding a circle of trusted people who can provide regular feedback to you on your work, whether that's a creatives group or a writing group or something in person in your local area or something online. But I think the big idea there is to have people that you can trust opening up to, to get used to it. Yeah. And like Ashley and I talked about before, it's really important to find people that are willing to, 
to see kind of your works in progress and be kind. I think that matters a lot. And doing it in person, I think, really brings a little bit more of that humanity to the process. Um, we've all seen the comment sections on the internet and how mean they can get. Um, mm-hmm. So if you can find a group of um, women, men, people who are in kind of your creative field, want to do similar things to you, being able to find people in person might be a great way to kind of take that baby step and share something with real people, but they're still kind of strangers. Yes, that is definitely the case. And speaking about the comment sections online and everything, sometimes I think we need to just not read them. Like honestly, on our own (laughs) blogs, it's probably not going to happen. But, you know, if you get something accepted and published on Huffington Post, or, you know, if you're Um, work is featured on a different website, whether it's writing or something else, like just, you don't always need to read the comments. If it's on one of those bigger websites that, you know, sometimes attracts those people who are just on the internet for no other reason than to be mean. Like you don't have to read that stuff because their opinion truly does not matter. That's a very good point. And I think, especially as writers and, and creatives who are new or like trying to break out in their field, We all feel that it's really, really important to be following up with people and commenting and replying to different responses and things so that we can continue to build our platform and make sure that we're getting good feedback and exposure. And I think it's important that we all just give ourselves permission to kind of bow out of those conversations that aren't really helping us. Yes, that is a good point, knowing what's helpful and what isn't. And Kind of along those same lines, sometimes in this digital world we live in, I think there's a time where we perhaps share too much of our creativity with the world, which seems a little counterintuitive in this conversation where we've been talking about how hard it is to put ourselves out there. But I was reading a blog post the other day that just seemed like it fits so perfectly with this conversation that I couldn't leave it out. So it was at the blog called That Hummingbird Life, and I will link to the post in the show notes for you guys if you want to read it. But the post was about how sometimes creating work that's only made to be shared and seen can be a disservice to you and your audience. So what she meant was that we are in an age where you're supposed to be building your platform and it can almost seem like a waste if you paint a picture or create something or write something that does not end up on a blog somewhere or on Instagram because that's a waste, right? Like why would you make something if you're not going to share it and get the likes and get the comments and get the blog traffic? And it was just a good reminder that creating only for the sake of your platform can be a block to that deeper creative work that needs time to develop in private on your own. And that's not something that you can do if you are constantly sharing every single thing you make. Yeah, that would be like needing to share all of your journal entries that you only write just for you to help process things. Nobody would Mm -hmm. do that. Um, So why do we feel that way about our creative work? Um, I think that's a really, really good point to make that if you're only creating for the sake of sharing, it's maybe not the thing you're supposed to be creating at all. Yes, very, very true. So With all of those things being said, we are definitely not experts on putting ourselves out there and sharing our work. It's something that we're both working on pretty much continuously, but we do have some favorite resources that have helped us and that could potentially help you as well. 
So what was your pick for your favorite book about putting yourself out there? Oh, my favorite resource that I always tell anyone who is creative and wants to build a platform or wants to start kind of sharing their their art with the world is Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. Most people know that he wrote the book Steal Like an Artist, which is also great and I highly recommend it. Um, But Show Your Work actually is just this really tiny, digestible, bite-sized book that talks about why an artist of any kind should give people kind of a sneak peek behind the scenes. Um, But I also think it's applicable to anyone who is having a hard time like sharing what they're doing. Um, So just kind of that idea that you need to be sharing what you're doing with people because other people will connect with it and will want to see more of it is kind of all of the validation a lot of times that an artist needs. So I highly recommend anything by Austin Kleon. Yes. And I follow his blog and I really enjoy his blog posts. They're pretty short and sweet and they usually Mm -hmm. have a pretty direct message that sort of punches you in the gut, leaves you thinking for a while, but I have not read his books yet. So that's a good reminder for me that I just need to get to the library because I'm sure they're there and make that happen. Mm -hmm. I think, and I keep saying this to myself that like the set of books, steal like an artist and a copy of show your work would make an excellent gift to any freelance client who is just like getting Mm. into making themselves a marketing plan or a social media plan. I just think they're so quick and succinct and such good, good advice that they would make a great gift for someone like that. So I need to get on that and start doing that. Oh, that is such a smart idea. And it is the season to be thinking about holiday gifts, whether for friends or clients or whoever. So that is a brilliant (laughs) tip. (laughs) So yeah, so what is your favorite resource about putting yourself out there as a creative, Ashley? So I just recently read Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, which has been on my list for like years and I just Mm -hmm. haven't gotten to it yet. (laughs) Um, And this is kind of her quintessential book that's all about vulnerability and um, learning how to open yourself up to the world in really healthy ways so that you can really build a foundation of connection and trust with people and then also... Um, see your own self-worth and Mm -hmm. it's not specifically about creativity because the issue of vulnerability really affects pretty much every single facet of your life but there is so much stuff in this book that could be applied to your creative life Um, she has sections about dealing with perfectionism and dealing with fear that I think are especially pertinent for creatives and I even pulled a quote out of the book that I underlined for myself that I'm going to share with you guys So Brene Brown says, perfectionism crushes creativity, which is why one of the most effective ways to start recovering from perfectionism is to start creating. And I just think there's a ton of truth in that, that if you have perfectionistic ways that you need to get over, and maybe that's why you're a little gun shy about sharing your work because you don't think it's done or you don't think it's perfect, you just need to do it. And the more you create, the more you will get used to seeing that your work is not perfect, but it is still worthwhile. Yes. Yes to all of that. Yes to Brene. Always. She's, she's wonderful. Um, that is one of my favorite books that I've ever read and I didn't expect to like it when I started reading it. And I don't know if you can always like something that's telling you to put yourself out there more because it kind of feels like you're being chastised. Like when the dentist yells at you for not flossing as often as you should. (laughs) Um, I just went to the dentist last week. There's no hard feelings there. Um, but I feel like Brene Brown when she writes about these like heavy weighty topics like 
sharing um, and being vulnerable and, you know, approaching shame in your life. But she does so with this like delightful Texas accent that comes through in her writing. I don't know if you read her that way as well. Yeah, I do, because I've seen her speak before. I think I've watched her TED Talk, which is also like a great introduction to her if you haven't seen that. So we can find that and link to that in the show notes as well. But yeah, I have because I think because I heard her speak first before Mm -hmm. I read the book, that's how I just sort of interpreted it as I read it. (laughs) It's it's really great. Um, So if anyone's been kind of like shying away from that one because they think it's going to be like too heavy for them, don't. It's it's the perfect blend of deep philosophical work and like jokes really she she jokes in it um but no having read that book i think like you said it applies to the relationships in our lives um from our family from friends but also to strangers online and i know one thing that brene has said before too is not to share something that you're still going through So that if you do get feedback on it and it's feedback that is hurtful, it doesn't impact kind of the journey that you're on and still kind of going through. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that can apply to creativity too. Like if it's something that's still like deeply personal to you that you know if you accidentally read a comment about it that makes it seem less than, that it's going to crush you, maybe it's not time to share that creative project with the world quite yet. Yeah. 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 And that's actually advice that we got from one of our writing teachers in college too, was, um, we were working on creative nonfiction. So memoir basically, except, you know, shorter essays, we weren't writing full memoirs in college, but yeah, she would always say that if something had recently happened to you, you probably needed time and space to process. And sometimes writing or doing other creative projects is how you process, but the work that you create during that time is not the work that's made to be shared. The work that's made to be shared comes after you've put some distance and gained some perspective and just put yourself kind of in a better place to share that work. So very good advice. That was very good advice. Yes. From a college professor. And it's so hard when you're, I mean, as young as a college student, but even as young as we are, and you're wanting to write things like creative nonfiction, how far do you have to go back in your life to find something that is shareable and isn't going to like impact you today? I don't know. Are we getting farther and farther from that point all the time? Yeah. And I think it depends on almost on your, um, maybe not your maturity level, but like the way you relate back to something. So like there are certain experiences that might take certain people like a decade to process. And then there are other experiences that might be just kind of a bump in the road that a year later you can look back on and comfortably write about. So it probably is kind of a case by case basis and a person by person basis. And you just sort of have to feel for when the time is right. Yeah. Those are always the hardest things to judge. They are, yes. <laughs> Just yeah. hope you don't get it wrong. <laughs> so I don't know if I have much more to say on this topic. I don't. This is one that we are we are both definitely just still working through sharing our mm-hmm. creativity and figuring this out. So we have reached the end of our very limited wisdom on this topic. <laughs> and I think it's time for us to move on to something we know a bit more about, which is the books we have recently read. 
<laughs> yes. But if anyone else has any thoughts on sharing your creativity and sharing it with the world, if you have like some tried and true results that you've had from sharing more and sharing more often, we would love to hear your tips and your tricks. So definitely email us or find us on Twitter or Instagram, Ashley, and I would love to hear from you guys. Um, yes, but indeed. now we will talk about books because that is something we can talk about ad nauseum. I mean, for ages and ages. So what have you read lately that has really impacted you, Ashley? So I wanted to talk about a book that's sort of been making the rounds lately, which is Real Artists Don't Starve by Jeff Goins. And this is one, I think it's his most recent release. It came out a couple months ago. And his basic premise is that throughout history, he points back to several famous artists, most notably, I want to say it's Leonardo da Vinci, but watch me be totally getting this wrong. Um, we're just going to say it's Da Vinci. It's one of the Italian guys, <laughs> one of the Italian painters. Um, but he just goes back to all these famous artists and points to how they did not starve. They were actually very, very wealthy for their time. And then he has some more modern examples as well. And his whole thesis is basically that, hey, like you can be an artist and you can make the art that you want to make and you don't have to work for the man. And um, I can see that this book would be very encouraging for a lot of people, but I gave it two whole stars on Goodreads. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And I'm kind of harsh on the books I read. So like, it's not like I think it's a terrible book or mm -hmm. anything. I know a lot of people love this author and he has done a lot to help a lot of people. But my problem with this book is that he makes it sound as though you're you are crazy if you don't want to earn a living from your art. And as many people in this creative entrepreneur world have discovered, when you turn your art into your job, it's not always fun anymore. And it's not always mm -hmm. something that you're passionate about anymore because now it is your job. And now you have to worry about marketing and money and lots of other things that people don't want to have to think about when it comes to what used to be their passion-driven hobby. And he just sort of sets his ideas down as like, well, this is the path and this is a very entrepreneurial business driven path. And he doesn't acknowledge that this is not the right road for everybody. And I just did not really appreciate that perspective. So, um, I think if that's something you're interested in doing, it's a book worth reading. Um, if you have any interest at all in making money from your art, but it's also something that I think you should maybe be careful of because I know creative people who have been totally turned off by what used to be fun for them because it turned into their day job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, does he, I haven't read the book, um, but does he leave any room for, I mean, what about the fact if you are a creative person and you try to make a business out of your art and it doesn't work, like it doesn't support you monetarily, is there kind of a, um, a tendency then to believe that that art wasn't your calling or that that wasn't what you should have been doing when maybe it was what you should have been doing on the side and for fun only? Well, and you know, it's easy to see that people could take it that way and could take it as like, oh, this business failed. My art is not valuable. My art is not worth anything. And in reality, it just might mean like you were in the wrong market or you're not a great business person or you know, a million mm -hmm. other factors that could be going into that. Like, um, and he doesn't address the topic of failing really at all. He sort of just uh -huh. leaves that open as 
you know, he doesn't even really leave room for it as a possibility. And I, I just don't, I think it's dangerous because he takes such a one track mind. It's not necessarily bad. It's just too narrow. And I think it leaves just too much room for people to take things the wrong way. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could read it, but read it with caution. That's, that's my opinion of it. Well, good to know. Sometimes you have to read a book to know that you, uh, didn't want to go in that direction anyway. Yes. So what have, you just went on a big road trip. Yeah. So what did you read while you were on route to Tennessee? Oh gosh, I didn't read very much at all. Um, apparently traveling with a baby is not at all like vacationing normally. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, but I did read, uh, I think I mentioned this before that I'd started the Gollum and the Ginny. Do you, is that how to pronounce it? I think so. That's how I've been saying it. And it's Ginny, but it's like genie, but it's not spelled the same. Anyway, it's Gollum, G-O-L-E-M, and the Ginny, J-I-N-N-I, by Helene Beckwith. And I believe it's one that Kendra Adachi had recommended to us, and you've read it as well, so I'm interested to hear your opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was maybe a little long, And how I'm describing it to people is that it is kind of fantasy light. Like if you normally like fantasy, you'll enjoy this. And if you're kind of a person who doesn't like fantasy at all, but doesn't mind a little bit of kind of magic seeping into your normal fiction stories, I think you'll enjoy it as well. Yeah, I would agree with that description. I've been calling it um, as like a good read for people who enjoy mythology. Um, because it's got a little bit of like a, like, I don't, I guess I don't know this for sure, but I see like both the Gollum and the Ginny as like mythological creatures, sort of legends in Mm -hmm. their, um, respective heritages, I guess. Um, but there is sort of that fantasy element to it. There's definitely some magic going on, but it is, um, also very historical. There's a very strong sense of place um, Mm -hmm. in like the early 1900s New York. And I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a little bit slow in places, which made it really Mm -hmm. difficult for me to keep up with it. Because when you're constantly distracted by kids, it's hard to dive back into something that's not actively pulling at you. So that was my biggest problem with it. But I think if I had maybe been in a different season or if I had like been on vacation without my kids and had had a chance to really dive into it, I might have enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's fair. And I feel like it's a pretty impressive debut novel. This was her first and I think so far only novel um, that mm-hmm. tackles, I mean, a lot, like you said, historical legend and Um, I mean, it's an immigrant story and it's a story about, it's a period story. So there was a lot of research that went into this. um, And I think it's a pretty impressive feat for a first time novel. So I really enjoyed it from that perspective too, just looking at something that this individual created from scratch on the first go, which I'm always impressed by. Yes, I agree. And did you hear that there's going to be a sequel to this book? I did not. I'm interested to see how that works. I'm not sure how I feel about it because as you know, I really like complicated endings, which I mm-hmm. would say this one, I don't know if it counts as complicated, it's but it like wasn't 50% like 50% complicated. Yeah. It wasn't like tied up in a nice little bow, which is how mm-hmm. I like my books. Like I don't want them to end perfectly in most cases. So I'm a little bit torn because now I'm afraid that 
she did leave room for a sequel, but now I'm afraid that the sequel might tie things up neater than I would like to see. I'm not sure if I'm going to read it yet or not. I believe it picks up around World War II. Oh. Um, so there's quite okay. a jump in time, if I'm remembering right. I read about yeah. this a while ago, so I could be wrong. But I think it takes place around World War II, and I think at this point they are in Europe instead of in New York. So there's a little bit of a jump. Okay. Well, maybe I'll vet it for you. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, I like my books tied up a little bit more neatly than you. I don't mind an ambiguous ending, provided the book calls for it. But maybe I'll read this one first and then let you know whether or not you should or not. Yes, that would be great because otherwise I think I would rather just leave this book as is and maybe leave the sequel to the people who would enjoy it more than I would. Yeah, the people who need sequels. Yes. (laughs) Yes, the people who do. Well, as one of those people who like sequels, um, I, I think this podcast is over. I think we can leave this with a non-ambiguous ending for you, Ashley, um, and chat with everyone next week. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial, or by using the hashtag Chasing Creative on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to help us bring this podcast to life each week, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chasing creative. And if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasing creative podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.